With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. Bob misses his spot again to Taryn Vavra and once again pays the price. Yeah, Taryn hitting a cool 390 this year, so if you're going to miss a spot in his wheelhouse, it's probably going to do that. Leave the yard. Taryn Vavra is the youngest of the three Vavra boys. Of course, Joe's uh, baseball-playing kids. Joe, the uh, longtime coach with the Twins, now uh, coaching with Guardy in Detroit. This kid's left-handed, and uh, I saw him a couple of times early this year. He actually had a big impact as a freshman with the Gophers, then he came down with his bad back when they won the Big Ten title in 2016, and uh, that really hurt him down the stretch. And he had a bad back again last year. He was having trouble. This year he has been healthy, and he was named on uh, today, on Thursday, a first-team All-America in baseball, uh, from Baseball America. That isn't easy when you're a kid from the north, right, instead of playing in the south. But uh, he's the real deal. Uh, He can really hit uh, left-handed, right-handed, and uh, he's a very good shortstop, too, uh, Taron. How high of a pick do you think he'll be? Yeah, I was here in fourth or fifth round. I think maybe third. I'd, I'd take a chance at him. He'll he'll probably sign after this year. The uh, College Baseball Foundation on Wednesday had uh, named him as one of the five finalists uh, to be the uh, best shortstop in the country. They got something called the Brooks Wallace Award. So, uh, but here's the other news on that. Second-team All-American, Patrick Fredrickson, freshman starter. Mm-hmm. Third-team All-American, Max Meyer, freshman reliever. So that's uh, two freshman pitchers uh, make the uh, All-American teams. First-team All-Americans in Gopher history, 1953 and 54, Paul Geel. Very good pitcher. Mm-hmm. Signed for a, you know, high... high Runner-up for the Heisman Trophy ended up signing. That tells you about money back then. Mm. Ended up signing a bonus with the New York Giants to wow. pitch baseball. Uh, and the fact that you then had to sit out two years if you got the bonus probably ruined his career. Jerry Kindle and Jerry. Wait, wait, stop. I'm sorry. Why, why did you have to sit out two years? Because they were trying to control bonuses. So if you made more than a, if you signed for more than a certain 
amount of money, you had to be on the major league roster for two years. Uh, okay. He didn't have to sit out, but you it'd sure be like, okay. It'd be like the rule five. It'd be like if the rule five guys were twenty years old with no professional experience. Okay, okay, okay got it. So you had to keep them in the big leagues. Jerry Kindle, a shortstop, and Jerry Thomas, pitcher in '56. Uh, Ron Costin, outfielder, '59. 1962 pitchers. That was a national championship team. Larry Bertelson and Wayne Knapp. 1961, the same two guys. 1963, second baseman named John Andreessen, very good. 1964, Ron Wojciak, a catcher. 1967, Dennis Zacco, a first baseman. 1969, uh, Noel Janke, who was also a football player, outfielder, very good. Mike Walseth. 1973, somebody you might have heard of, Dave Winfield. Heard of him. 1976 and 7, uh, another guy you might have heard of, Paul Molitor. Yep. Uh, and 60, uh, 77, Dan Morgan, a pitcher, was also a first-team All-American. 1982, Greg Olson. Uh, catcher, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the great guys of all time, caught for those Braves teams. Could he hit like Bobby Wilson? But he was a uh, he was a he great still guy. had that great quote. I yeah. think it might have been you were the one that might have told me when Gladden plowed him over and he said, "Yeah, I saw him coming, so I just closed my eyes." So it was something yeah. to that effect. It was oh, a he great was great. Quote. Well, he, I covered all those Braves NLCSs, and he was my go-to guy for sure. quotes, man. Nineteen ninety, Bethel coach Brian Robbie. And Dan Wilson, father of the gopher catcher, Eli Wilson. Uh, 1991, Ron Garden hires favorite, no, Tom Kelly's favorite all-time player, Brent Gates. <laughs> wasn't, it, wasn't it TK yes. who wouldn't love Brent Gates? Uh, 1993 and 1994, Mark Morella, uh, a great uh, second baseman. You know, Mark came up with the... Uh, with that brain tumor that he had for years and years and years, and uh, another wonderful guy, Shane Gunderson, catcher, yep. nineteen ninety five, Minnesota, and then Derek McCollum uh, in night two two thousand nine. So uh, only their second first team All American since ninety five, twenty three years. Taron Vavra, and he is the real deal. Uh, I oh Robbie Quinlan never made first team All American, second team in ninety eight, and Perk. Second team in 2003 and 2004. Uh, so, uh, so, anyway. so okay, so outside of Winfield and Molitor, would Dan Wilson have had the longest run in Major League Baseball? Well, he caught it for about 10 years. I yeah, guess. or Greg so, Olson, too. He caught quite a while, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, Taron Vavra joined some a great company, first team All American and. Sports person of the day. It's a what, big day for what him. What a day for it that kid! It is a kid. big day. Mm-hmm. I, I bet he's burst. His dad will be bursted. I'm going to text his dad right now <laughs> and tell him, "Forget this first team All American stuff. Your kid is sports person of the day." And then tell him, Joe and I talk and text that's right. a lot more than people. Know. <laughs> NBC Sports in the Bay Area is with us. The NBA Finals start tonight. Ray, the uh, Warriors always had that kind of crusty old uh, audience that went to games in Oakland. Uh, Since they became champions, how much has that crowd changed? Uh, Well, it's changed a lot because they managed to price out uh, the people who went there in the lean decades. Um, But you know, that's the nature of all things. That crowd is going to be rendered obsolete in two years anyway because the prices in San Francisco are going to be way higher than they are. <laughs> Even though so they're... Basically, they will have remade their fan base twice in a, 
in a span of less than a decade. Now, uh, Ray, well, uh, that thing opens in two years now? Yeah. So it, it would be kind of sad for all these uh, people who are going to pay huge prices if somehow the, uh, the the champion year started to slip away and this team got broken up in some way. Oh, that's the hilarious thing. That's the best part of it. <laughs> uh, I mean, Bob Myers talked about it yesterday, uh, about how, you know, nothing stays forever. You know, this will end too. I mean, it just you, he made it as clear as he could make it that, you know, don't think this is lasting forever. <laughs> logical. But, you know, somebody asked him and he gave the honest answer, which is, who knows how much longer this is going to go on? And the logical answer is, maybe two years. Maybe they march boldly into San Francisco as a seven seed. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be, that would not be good. I'll tell you one thing, though. I would uh, a lot rather see the Warriors uh, shoot their three-pointers after actually moving the ball around a little bit than whatever the hell Houston was trying to do. Well, look, Houston won 65 games doing that. Yes, right. And Houston might have won that series if Chris Paul's leg hadn't exploded. So, you know, I wouldn't be too quick to condemn the Rockets for what they did and the way they did it. You do find out that... (laughs) You know, it's it's not sustainable over the long haul. I mean, the Warriors are still remaking basketball, but even they found out that there are limits to styles. Eventually, you have to have people who play those styles, and you can win doing iso ball, and you can win, you know, with ball movement and high pick and rolls, and you can you can win with you know three seven footers. It just depends on who you've got and who's coaching them. Uh, and one, of course, uh, what, the obviously without Paul on the court, their their desperation when they were firing those threes came at a higher level because I didn't think they were comfortable shooting them like they usually are, Houston. They were exhausted is the problem. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing you can criticize Mike D'Antoni for, and even then you have to sort of temper it, is the fact that he, he had a seven-man rotation. And of those seven... One had a bad shoulder, so he didn't get to play a whole lot. Um, so now you're down to six. Then Paul gets hurt. Now you're playing guys 40 minutes night in and night out. And what you saw in game seven, I thought, more than anything else, was guys shooting threes whose legs were done and whose arms were done. They, just, they lost because of attrition. And it's, you know... Life's hard, then you die. That's the playoffs. <laughs> I, I think it's not a condemnation of the style as much as it is, you know, a condemnation of their depth. The uh, amazing thing about the Warriors is uh, from where they are willing to take a shot. I mean, 27 feet is a shot for Curry and Clay Thompson. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the only thing that keeps them from shooting, you know, longer is, you know, the man act. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, 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 here's the thing. Even they aren't taking as many of those as they used to because more and more teams have adjusted the way they defend the Warriors. So those shots are not as easy to come by as they used to be. And also, you know, Curry's 30 now. And I realize that's not, you know, time for the knacker's yard, but, you know, they've put in a lot of miles over these last four years. And I could see where, you know, it starts to tell, um, you know, when they when they fall back into the isolation ball that they used in the in the in the conference final, 
I mean, that was also a statement about weariness. Um, they've played 100 games four years in a row, essentially. And that's brutal. That's just brutal. Uh, that, that you know, so I, I think, you know, their range, you know, you see those moments less and less often. But when they come, they are every bit as exhilarating as they were the first time you saw them in 2013. Do you think this is as good a team as it was last year? Same guys, um, I guess. I don't think you can make a judgment because Curry missed so much time and because they sort of fought their own boredom. They didn't really, you know, they, they, they had times when they had a hard time getting fully engaged um, because they knew they were the best team. They knew they could win as a two seed just as easily as they could as a one seed. They'd, they'd run the table two times in three years and very nearly three in a row. I think part of the problem is that when you look at this team, you look at their talent and you go, wow, and then you look at their level of boredom and you go, wow. <laughs> so I think, you know, that if you're going to say if they're as good as they were last year, I would say emotionally no, only because they chose not to play as hard as they could as often as they have in the past. But they could, but they are so good that it didn't matter. And I think that's the lesson: is the Warriors' biggest enemy or, or biggest rival is the idealized version of the Warrior teams of the past, and that's where they lose. Ray Ratto is with us. So did uh, Brian Colangelo learn everything he knows about Twitter from Kevin Durant? Do you think that might have worked out that way? Um, whatever you whatever you want to say about Kevin Durant's Twitter issues or or uh, Draymond Green's Twitter issues, mm-hmm. they weren't giving away teams. <laughs> they weren't dogging their teammates. Um, whoever did this on Brian Colangelo's behalf, if yes. it wasn't actually him, they were still getting information from him. Yes. And I don't know why it was important to him that information get out. But if I'm if I'm Josh Harris, the, the owner of the team, I'm going, I can't trust them. No. I mean, if I bitch about a player, how do I know that's not going to surface on Twitter in six months or a year? You know, I, I, I don't know how, how he survives. And the fact that he survived this long is an amazement to me. And the the other goofy guy in this controversy, Hickey, who left with the thirteen page uh, memo, he's teaching at Stanford, right? Or he's he's hanging out out in the Bay Area doing something. I'm going to tell you something about Sam Hickey <laughs> that I don't know has been covered enough. He is the perfect hero for the next generation. <laughs> okay, because no one, many people have failed. No one has deliberately failed for as long as he has deliberately <laughs> failed and is more lionized for it at the same time that his successor is being savage as though he, you know, turned state's evidence on a nun. It's, it's, it's amazing to me. And I really think that this is largely young people saying, we'll decide what we like, not you guys. Whatever your metrics are, we have new metrics, and one of them is... Hey, losing's okay if you can make a case for it. And that's, you know, that's a pretty inspiring argument. <laughs> and uh, we, we had a team here that didn't make the playoffs for 13 years, 
and uh, and then they uh, won 47 games this year among, amid some discontent with the grumpy Thibodeau. But people are upset that we didn't continue the process a little longer here and keep losing and keep the young guys. And you got to lose until you win, right? Listen, failure is highly underrated. <laughs> I, I think the tyranny of the standings must be overturned. <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, you basically, you know, what do you mean you need to score more points? Why? Who says so? You know? I, I think it's great. I just, you know, overthrow the government. Rage against the machine. It's the best. So uh, does Kerr get any heat for his political stances, or is he in the, absolutely the right place to get away with it? I'm all for him, by the way, but uh, uh, there are places in this country, for instance, Houston, that it might not work out quite so well. Um, if, he get, if he gets heat, the one thing about Steve Kerr, above and beyond the fact that he's genuine about this, is the fact that he doesn't care. He said, you know, this is what I believe, you deal with what you believe. And it, it, here, I mean, he's on scholarship anyway because, you know, they win all the time. If they were 42 and 40, you might get people complaining that he's not paying enough attention <laughs> to the task at hand. But it's clear that that's not the case because he is paying attention to the, to the job at hand. And he always has. Because in a lot of ways, he's an old-school guy. This team has infuriated him in the same way that it's infuriated a lot of its fans, because they do turn it on and off. But his political stuff, one, it's based in common sense. Two, it's based, you know, from a guy who watched his father get killed in Lebanon. So, you know, yes, it's hard to question his bona fides. And third... It just, you know, call him whatever you want. He just smiles and, you know, keeps on moving because he believes in his heart that he's right. And when you believe in your heart that you're right and you're not harming others in the pursuit of that, you're on scholarship. You win. Take a victory lap. You're the best. I, uh, I very much enjoyed your piece on how... Teams are destined to be secondary in the market. The Angels versus the Dodgers, uh, a lot of others. And now the Raiders finally go into a place where they can own the town, and they're going to be secondary to a hockey team. Yeah, they're going to be secondary to a hockey team among the lifers. Yes. The people who live in Vegas yes. all the time. Um, because between the unpleasant accident of timing that got them started at the same time that there was the horrific massacre at the hotel and the way they reacted to it there's a special place in the natives hearts for that that will never go away and the raiders as a football team and a transplanted football team will be graded solely and only on whether they win or lose and when you lose you know i mean they may still come out because Vegas is a town of high rollers, but as an emotional thing, I think I think the hockey team is in a place that the Raiders can't touch because the, the, the hockey team has no institutional memory before this year. I mean, they are, I mean, it's a newborn baby to them. They don't bring any baggage from other cities, uh, and this was, you know, I mean, it's a great year to be an expansion team that goes to the finals, <laughs> but... Given what they did at the beginning of the year to wed themselves to their town in a time of crisis, 
that's going to resonate for a very long time for the same reason that the Portland Trailblazers matter the most in Portland for the reason that you know the Vikings matter most in in Minnesota I mean if you're first and you figure out where you live and how best to serve the people who live there you're on scholarship and you're on scholarship for a very very long time they, uh, the Raiders aren't going to be sitting on a gold mine, though, simply because the first time the Packers play out there, or the Vikings, for instance, there are going to be 30,000 people from these two towns descending on Vegas, and they're not going to care if they get tickets or not, but they're going to be there to party, and uh, it's, it's going to be a bonanza just with the visiting oh. fans. Oh, no, as a money generator, the Raiders will you know put the hockey team to shame. The Golden Knights... I mean, their their ability to cash in is limited by the fact that they have fewer seats and it's not football. And, no. you know, as an economic they, engine, no, the Raiders will be more powerful, at least in the short term. But I'm, ju- I'm just talking about emotionally. No, the Raiders are going to pull in so many people from all over the country all the time, not to mention their fan base, which is mostly going to be L.A.-centered. You know, I mean, in a lot of ways, this is a great economic move for them, but... You know, in terms of, you know, okay, what do you do to prove it now? Because Vegas doesn't like losers. Vegas sends losers to the airport with their pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... if the Raiders start coming in going five and eleven and four and twelve, there aren't enough transplants to save their ass. Well, I did recommend uh, here on the airwaves that. Uh... If you're a 35-year-old hooker in Vegas, you've got to start getting in shape, baby. You should go to the gym every day because when those football fans start coming to town from the Midwest, you're going to be in business. Well, I'm glad that you're looking out for the, you know, the wage-earning, honest American. <laughs> I am. Um, I am. I'm, I'm, going to I'm worried about if them. You're, if you work in Vegas, you, there's a standard of fitness you have to set anyway. <laughs> That's true. So I think you're really sort of preaching to the already well-converted. <laughs> okay, sir. Uh, have a fine series here, will you? I don't care. I mean, I want it to be over, and I want every game to be decided by 70. <laughs> I want to be able to file at halftime and be home and drunk by the time the final horn <laughs> Beautiful. I'm not about the aesthetics. Yeah. I'm not about the aesthetics. I'm about the couch. All right, sir. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. The great Ray Rano, uh, NBC Sports. As uh, wonderful as he is on the radio, he's even uh, funnier on the uh, Internet now. He was a longtime newspaper columnist, and it was a great blow to the print in the Bay Area when uh, Ray uh, left the Chronicle. I'll tell you that. We'll be back. Thank you very much to Ray Rado, the great oh uh, sports columnist for NBC Sports in the Bay Area. Great lost to newspaper when he left the Chronic number of years ago, but he's still uh, cranking out great stuff all the time. Here is John Hyde. Thanks, Patrick. This update sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long-term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salaried professional service may be the right solution. Visit AccountTemps.com. Account Temps, a Robert Half Company. Twins and Indians open up a four-game series down at Target Field tonight. Uh, Twins send Jake Odorizzi to the mound. Righty Shane Bieber pitches for the Indians. Uh, Twins for the game have recalled Tyler Duffy from Rochester. Aaron Slagers goes right back down to Rochester after five and a third innings last night against the Royals. Okay, thank you. 
<laughs> the uh, the uh, Tigers won this afternoon, uh, so they are about a game and a half ahead of the Twins now. And do you know who threw out the first pitch at the game? The Rally Goose. Well, you're close. Apparently, the Rally Goose was rescued by a woman in the crowd last evening. And that woman just happened to be a veterinarian, believe it or not. Dr. Catherine Roach was mm-hmm. her name. They allowed her to throw out the first pitch today, and she did a decent job. And they won again. They're and unbeaten. they won again. That's right. I have already texted the manager saying that the rally goose is unbeaten, and he's, he just responded, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only person in the uh, media with balls big enough to tell the truth about geese, too. I, I, heard, I heard your rant at the top of the hour, yeah. and man, I was at my desk uh-huh. cheering you on. They're, uh, they're no good. No. They, don't, they don't provide any, uh, any, sky any carp, service. Sky carp, is that what you call them? Yeah, yeah sky carp. Plus, they're not that good eating. <laughs> no. You can maybe Fry up a breast, or can you smoke it? Can you smoke geese? Gross. No, I I, uh, save the breasts and then I actually grind them up and turn them into sausages. Oh, really? How is is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Well, you know, my my father loved to cook them, but you 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 cook the wild ones. There's yeah, you know, there's they're not very tasty. And it's like eating tar paper. And if you cook the domestic ones, you'll have a a pat of grease about yeah, 15 yeah. minutes. I'm not a big goose guy. So you're saying it's not nearly as good as loon? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much the same as a loon, okay. I guess. Yeah. Uh, you guys were talking about eagles earlier. I saw an eagles in my, uh, eagles, an eagle in my neighborhood yesterday. Oh, yeah. I live in over. a city. Right there. I can get you an eagle by no, 3 o'clock. No, Josh. Where have you been? I haven't seen any around my area Look at this guy. ever. I was driving. Put the where... crack pipe down for five minutes. <laughs> I was driving on, on uh, was it 55? Uh, yeah, I went about 25, 30 miles out on 55. I was going somewhere. I saw three of them. Yeah. One sitting on a, I a see telephone pole. Yeah, I see them every night on my really? drive home in yeah. St. Paul. I will pretty much believe any animal sighting anywhere after seeing that <laughs> yeah. deer run across Broadway in North Minneapolis <laughs> like four yeah. years ago. Probably had a job somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you think it was like these guys from the suburbs that roll in at 3 in the morning looking for a little something-something? <laughs> <laughs> you, you think that deer was up to no good? Looking for some strange? <laughs> <laughs> the only other major league game today, Oakland defeated Tampa Bay 7-3. to The only other day game, of course. Plenty of night games. Uh, NBA playoffs tonight. You'll hear it right here. Cleveland at Golden State starts at 7 o'clock right after the beer show with Mr. Reavers. Uh, Kevin Love has uh, cleared the, uh, I won't even say it, Patrick. He'll be a play. He'll How's be able that? to play. Yes, he'll so be they'll lose play. by twenty mm-hmm. instead of twenty five. <laughs> Come on, Kevin, go get him, playing. Kevin. Show us that fierce defense. Uh, we have new kickoff rules, as we all know. Oh, okay, oh, all right. Boy. What happened now? In the NFL. Well, Vikings special teams coach Mike Prefer was part of the committee that created the new rules for kickoffs. Uh, he was. Uh, he talked with reporters today. Our Matthew Collar. Well, one of the rules: no gay guys can be uh, uh, help covering kicks. Is wow. Prefer's rules. <laughs> Our, uh, I'm glad you said that. Oh, wow. Wow. Why wouldn't I? Is he scared of gay people? Is he? Uh, he's the one that had the big feud in. with yeah. Chloe. Uh, Jeez. Yeah. You wanted to take him on a vacation, right, to yeah, an island? To I believe. An island yeah. All right. It was a little uh, overheated. Our guy, uh, Matthew Collar, wow. writing about uh, talking with uh, Mr. Prefer today. Prefer said they were willing to listen. We had some really good ideas. <laughs> We'd been I working on it. Prefer blamed it on Ambien. Oh, he did. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> How brilliant was Ambien's response? Yeah, to right. It was great. <laughs>
Uh, we've been working on that, he said, for about five or six weeks on the proposal. Uh, I think we can get there. I think you can teach blocking correctly. You teach taking on blocks correctly. You teach tackling correctly. You have a chance to keep guys healthier. Uh, new rules have various elements among them. No wedge blocks, no running starts, five players on either side of the ball, and uh, several others. Who Whose quotes were these from? Uh, that was from Prefer. Your buddy. Prefer, okay. your buddy Prefer, Prefer was on the committee. He seems so. like a pretty good guy. He had a bad moment there. <laughs> uh, breaking NFL news. Oh. Breaking. This is huge, <laughs> thanks to Chris Long. <laughs> the over-under numbers are out for oh, wins okay. in the NFL. Vikings, 11 and a half. Ooh, you're close. They are at 10 right now. Is that all? New England is tops at 11. Bet the under. They're not going to make the playoffs. The Patriots or the Vikings? Patriots. No, bet the over on the Vikings. Bet oh. the under on New England. New England's going to be six and ten. Oof! Hot That's take. A hot take. That's wow. a steam. We might have to have a steam zone tomorrow to see if you guys can top that. I think I'll use that take. one. Okay. okay. Yeah, because I'll come back firing with the Patriots. <laughs> we better go to the uh, crack traffic department okay. here. Uh, by the way, uh, Kenny, uh, the wild yeah. turkey. How's the flavor? Uh, do you like them or not? Oh, I, I don't touch them. Gross. Really? With ice just, cubes, it's real good. Just, it's just, it's just too easy to uh, just go buy a turkey. Why are they even protected? Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, we should be able to shoot those like we do crows. Oh, they're mean. You know? Who'd win, a goose or a, a turkey? If they got, a, I think a, a Goose, on the ground. I think a goose might be able might to be take stronger them. in the yeah, neck, huh? yeah. stronger in the neck. Yeah, but then a coyote would stroll along and <laughs> take them both out. <laughs> All righty. Uh, you know, I used that pre for cheap shot, didn't you? I want to have some original material here that you would never hear on the K-Fan Mid-Morning Show. That's, 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 uh, that's, that's the reason I did that. Derek Wetmore at Target Field. What do you know now about the Twins that you didn't know when you arrived at the ballpark today? Yeah, uh, more bad news, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But. Joe Maurer with a setback. He went out and took some <laughs> ground balls. And a couple of people I talked to, Pat, said they thought if it went well for him, he could have played tonight. It didn't go so well for him, taking ground balls out at the field. And he had what he termed a setback, and uh, they're just going to back off. He's going to sit in the dugout tonight just to see if he can handle the whole atmosphere of a game and everything. But it mm-hmm. sounds like those concussion symptoms might be returning and so uh, he looked down that, at you're nervous he looked down at ground balls and he got dizzy or something huh well Man, it's weird because uh batting practice had been fine for him it had been uh steady progress all week at target field hitting and then i guess something about ground balls out in the sun this afternoon it it didn't go well for him so he's going to sit on the bench tonight he's going to see how he feels tomorrow and I think I'm kind of 50-50 on this. It could be fine tomorrow, and this would have just been a blip on the radar. Or it could be you've been out for a week, 10 days, and it's not any better. That's That'd be a real concerning sign if that's the case. Uh, okay. A uh, uh, setback for Irv Santana. A right. setback for Buxton that's got him on the yep. DL. And a setback for Joe Maurer. Uh, any other setbacks that I'm missing here? No, in fact, I was going to balance out all that negativity. Derek Falvey told us today that 
Jorge Polanco is crushing extended spring pitching okay. down in Florida. So oh, that's if, uh, if you want a positive. So Jorge Polanco is crushing pitching, and this is fifty-one games. Uh, so he's got to sit twenty-nine more, and they can what? Send him? They can let him start playing twenty days before he comes back? Is that it? That's right. Standard twenty-day rehab, just like uh, an mm. injured position player. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's really. A small, small silver lining on the dark cloud that's rolling oh, over Target man, Field with all the uh, bad it, it injury is, news. It is brutal. Well, the uh, the good thing is they don't have to start planning a six-man rotation anyway. They can yeah. stick with the five guys they got for right now. What is the uh, uh, a day later assessment of Romero? Uh, just no location. He was thrown in the middle of the plate. What uh, What was the uh, any talk about him? No, that well, that was the sense I got from watching it, Pat. I yeah. wasn't on the road, but that, you know, for him, what he was so successful with was fastballs in the zone, both the four-seam and two-seam, and his slider is incredible when he can get that to be a swing-and-miss pitch. Uh, yesterday, it was really just, if you're living in the zone and they know it, mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of, if they're expecting fastballs for strikes, big league hitters can do that. And that's kind of what I saw from him yesterday. I don't, I don't think it's real cause for concern long-term because – it's not like it's not like he couldn't throw strikes. It was that he was getting hit around when he was in the strike zone. So I'm I'm still bullish on that kid. I think he's oh yeah he's a he's a, a big old here. horse. But uh, yeah, you know uh, when we first saw Barrios, we saw some real clunkers too. And he he doesn't look as uh, amped up as Barrios was when he, when uh, he was uh, trying to get it together as a kid. But uh, Blylevin pointed this out last night, and he was right. Just uh, he was just. His fastball was in the middle of the plate. He wasn't on the yeah. outer third or the inner third. He was just throwing it down the middle. And uh, those Kansas City guys who don't hit that all that well were having a great yeah. time with it. Well, I also think I see that with a talented pitcher, same as a talented hitter, I think if you go up the first time through the league and you are just good, it can work for you. And I think that's sort of what we've seen with Romero, that, hey, trust the fastball. It's a good fastball. Trust the slider especially when you're ahead in the count. But then I do think that there's a certain element, Pat, of maybe maybe there's a little more to this pitching thing than just throwing it over, throwing a strike, and hoping they fall behind 0-2. Um, I, I'm curious to see what he has in his next start, but it's not like they're going to have to find a rotation spot anytime soon, I think. Trevor no, May's no, working he's... his way back, and Ooh. they got guys down there. But that, that sounds Boy. like there's been a little setback or two with him. His his setback being he gave up what nine runs and yeah. got three I outs talk, or something. I talked to somebody about that today because I'm I'm a big Trevor May guy. I, think, I, I like you know, two, him too. Yeah, two years ago, I think out of the bullpen, he really showed you something that he, he took a step forward with not only throwing strikes but driving ahead in the count, and he had multiple pitches that. He could really get by hitters. and So anyways, I've been kind of circling this day on the calendar. June 1st, Trevor May is supposed to be getting back. And I talked to somebody who's following his rehab with the Twins, and it's not just that uh, the velocity is not all the way back. It's more so the command, that he hasn't really recovered that all the way back from post-surgery. So that's it yeah, is uh, expected it happens, but that's uh, another little bit of disappointment. It is odd because when I talked to him early, uh, when I was down there in January, I talked to him, and he was confident he'd be throwing by the time the uh, you know spring training started, and uh, and by the that, he thought he'd be throwing b- b- early March, and uh, that uh, yeah. didn't come close well, to that. They have not had, you. they have not had anything on the injury front. 
go well for them. <laughs> Everything right. has been worse than anticipated. This Santana thing is unbelievable. We might not see him all year. Yeah, I mean, the early projections, remember, this was just in May spring. One. And I still, yeah, May 1st, late April, early May. And uh, had some people say, well, maybe, we'll see. But that's the timeline they put on it. But that, to me, Pat, is the, that was the first that was the first sign that this season wasn't going to go the way that the Twins wanted it to. That it could have just been a blip, yeah, but now with the benefit of hindsight, we got Irvin Santana, the Jorge Polanco news, right back to back. And then it's just been basically anytime there's a 50-50, oh, this could be all right. It's always seemed to go against the Twins this year. The, the Irv news is the first, and now we're just kind of coming full circle on that because I don't know that anybody's willing to venture to guess when he'll be back. Somebody uh, somebody called the show today and said, uh, go back and look to see if they termed Irv's surgery successful at yeah. the time, because <laughs> right. they might have yeah. been lying to us. Uh, it can't be considered successful if you're two months uh, in, in, if you're over a month into when you thought he might be pitching and he's not close. So uh, Right. It, well, they're also going to this is how you know it's a little serious it's not it's not just uh oh he had a little swelling so they're going to back off pat they returned him from the rehab so he'll get a follow up assessment it sounds like with the doc that did the surgery and and i think that's fairly standard procedure but then if he goes back on rehab again it'll start the clock over so he's it's not like uh, if the swelling goes down tomorrow, get him a start or two and he's up. Well, the good, the good, the good news, ended. Irv, you don't have to hurry back for the pennant race. That's for sure. Well, <laughs> see how this weekend goes. But yeah, I don't think this is as big a series as we thought it would have been three weeks ago. All right, sir. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Derek Wetmore. You can read his coverage of the Twins on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. We'll be back with a rapid fire daily complaint. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, maybe you have a daily complaint. I don't know what you I do have that. a daily complaint. Um, my daily complaint is with the players of the National Football League, and here's oh, why. Okay. So the NFL, they're revealing, they're doing, they, they've been doing this every year for years now where they reveal, they have the players vote on the top 100 players of mm-hmm. the National Football League, and it changes every year and all that stuff. Well, this year they're down to, uh, they've got the first 60 players. Okay. So they got 40 through one mm-hmm. left. Okay. So, Kirk Cousins is yes. number 94. 94. And you see that? Okay, yeah. Kirk okay. Cousins, yeah, not okay. great, but he's pretty good. Right. You know who number 51 is? I'm ready. Case Keenum. Case Keenum. No, I was joking. Number 51. Come on. Right. Case Keenum. I think, you know, there's, uh, in other words, we should have kept Case. We should have kept Case, Case Keenum, yes, according to the players right. of the National according Football League. According to the NFL players. Oh well, I, Unbelievable. Nothing will beat D'Angelo Hall, the one you're getting mad about his Madden player rating in <laughs> the video game. Well, that's good. I think you might have some fun with that. So, yeah, obviously, we screwed up giving the money to this guy with the big teeth. Yeah. Uh, I sure Judd today was very upset about how white Kirk Cousins' teeth are. God, Judd. <laughs> Judd. He, he thought the smile was practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daily complaint is very simple. Why can't we have nice things? Why do all our ball players get hurt? Why do we lose in the NFC Championship game? Why can't we have nice things? Well, the reason you couldn't have nice things in the NFC Championship games, you got your ass kicked. Yes, there we was did. No bad luck in there. No. And the team we were going to hang on to this summer, the Lynx, 
They're off. Yes, they're worth starting eight years. Start. Yes, but I think they're all worried about losing Coach Reeb to the NBA. They might be a little distraction. It's a distraction. All these rumors. Cheryl Reeb to the NBA rumors. That's my daily complaint. Oh no. The Cheryl Reeb to the NBA rumors are messing up our links when we should all be concentrating on winning another championship and having our first ever repeat. All Cheryl Reeb's worried about is if she's going to get a chance to coach in the NBA. She's going to tweet at you now. That's my daily complaint. Boom. Okay. Hey, tomorrow, I'm trying to book a musical guest right now. I'm sure it'll be fantastic.